<laughs> it's great to see you this morning. I am glad that you are here. Thank you so much for deciding to come out on Super Bowl Sunday. So thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, I'd ask that you turn with me to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4. That's where we're going to be going today. What would you do? What would you do if you heard those dark and dreary words, you have only one month to live? What would you do? That's a hard statement. It's a hard question. What would you do? Maybe it's not one month. Maybe it's six months. Maybe it's only a year. Now, I know some people who have received those words, and when they've heard those words, they, uh, they made a determination that they were going to try to live beyond that. Some did, and they lived beyond the prognosis, and some didn't even make it to the prognosis. But one month to live, those are earth-shattering words, aren't they? You only have one month. You only have one six months. You only have one year to live. What would you do? You begin to think through all the different things that you would want to do and you haven't done before you died. And so you'd start trying to check it off. There was a movie a few years ago called Bucket List. Do you remember that movie? In which the guys decided they only have a short period of time. And so they were going to go out and try anything and everything. One of the things they wanted to try was some coffee in which a civet cat would actually eat the beans and excrete the beans out you know, the other side. And uh, they then would harvest the beans and the beans would then make coffee. They wanted to try this rare coffee. I don't know what it is on your list, but what would it be? You'd have to go through and you'd, you'd try it out and you'd try to figure out what to do. Now, I don't know if you listen to country music or not, but uh, uh, if you do, I mean, it's, it's God's music outside of gospel music, right? But uh, just kidding. All right, Tim McGraw, he had, a, he had a, um, a song that he sang a few years ago. It says, live like you would die. Do you remember this song? Let me give you the course. Here's what it says. It says, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. I loved deeper. I spoke sweeter. I gave forgiveness that I'd been denying. And he said, someday, I hope you get a chance to live like you were dying. Why is it that at the end, when you actually hear those words, you begin to actually live your life in a different way? It causes you to actually think differently, doesn't it? So you'd, you'd start living your life. You get these things. Okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. And be, by the time you finish that, where you always end up is this. How am I going to be remembered? What, what are they going to say about me? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? How were they going to remember me? And so the next few things that you begin to do is you begin to write out what you hope people remember. And then you say, okay, I need to have these conversations. As a pastor... I've got the privilege to walk with many people as they've gone through those last phases of life. Sitting in the rooms, sitting in the houses, sitting with the families as they would go through each family member and start sharing, this is what I want you to remember. And they start sharing those last words. Those are important words because they thought about it and this is what they want to say. This is it. As a 21-year-old, my great-granddad was passing away, and I was in his room, and he would share with me, and he shared several things. And I would just sit, and as we sat there, there were several things he wanted me to remember. He wanted me to promise, okay, I'll do it, granddad. And we walked through those moments. Those are heavy moments. Those are tough moments. And today, what we're going to see is this. Paul is writing his last letter. This is the last letter that we have. It's the last letter that we have in which Paul's even saying, this is important. 
And so what you read in Second Timothy, I wish we didn't live in America for today's sake, because I would love not to be on a time frame, and I would love to walk you through the entire book of Second Timothy. But we don't have that time. We don't have that luxury. We've got to get to the Super Bowl parties and all those other things. So what we're going to do is I'm going to spend just a few moments in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, here's what we have. We're going to focus in on the first eight verses. These first eight verses, Paul is going to lay out his last major statement, his last major thing that he wants young Timothy to remember. Now, if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, we've been doing a series called The Eight Things That God Uses to Grow Your Faith. We've talked through friendships and how friendships, God uses friends to come into your life to sharpen you and to actually help your faith grow. We've talked about your family and how that if you're going to be a godly husband, if you're going to be a a, a godly wife, if you're going to be the parents that God's called you to be, grandparents that God's called you to be, kids that God's called you to be, then it's going to take a faith step and God is going to actually work through that to help grow your faith. We also talked about last week how that being selfless was going to be a major step of faith. It was going to work on you to actually say, God, you've given me these talents. You've given me these gifts. I will actually be selfless. Instead of keeping them to myself, I'll actually use them and put them to work. Many of you have already signed up. Many of you have signed up in different places. And some of you, can I just applaud, just stop for a moment. Some of you have actually stepped out and it's your first time to serve. And I just want to say, way to go. Some of you are so excited about serving. You've got into a new place. And I even saw some of you actually in places today that I've never seen you. So you were actually already involved after last week. So I just want to say, way to go. Yeah, go ahead. You can clap. That's that's worth clapping for. And some of you were just hoping that uh, you just got by that message and you didn't have to pay attention anymore. But this is going to be one of those other messages I think is going to hit each one of us. Today, what we're talking about is a legacy. You will be remembered. You will be remembered, whether it's good or bad, that's up to you. But you will be remembered for something. And if you're going to leave an intentional legacy in which God is using you to move his kingdom, advance his kingdom, a legacy of faith, a legacy of God honoring works, a legacy that actually people remember and say, man, they were a good woman, they were a good lady, then it's gonna actually require some intentionality on your part. It's going to require intentionality on my part. And so what you're going to see here is Paul pouring in one last time into Timothy. You have your Bibles. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? I'm going to read down. I'm going to go actually start in verse six, and we're just going to read these three verses. Then we'll come back in just a little bit and start talking through one through five. Verse six. Paul is speaking and he says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to the, all those who loved his appearing. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this time and I thank you for this opportunity. God, I thank you so much for the chance to be able to worship you through song. And God, I pray that it was a sweet sound to your ear. And now as we dive into your word, God, I'm asking that your spirit would move, that we would allow you to have freedom. 
And that, God, you would speak into our lives. And that, God, when we walk out of this place, that we would be a different people. God, I pray that you give my voice the strength to finish. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. So here we are. Paul begins to talk about his legacy. This is how I want to be remembered. And Timothy, this entire chapter, this entire letter that I've written to you, I want you to do certain things. I want you to remember. Paul is talking to his protege, to his young Timothy, is a, mentor, is a mentee. He's the one in which Paul has poured his life. He's not actually a son by biological means, but he is a son in the faith. Paul has seen this young man grow up. Matter of fact, if you read some of the other letters, Paul talks about Timothy's mother and his grandmother. He says, I remember you as a young child and I remember your faith. And so Paul has seen this young man grow up and Paul has poured into this young man. He says, I want you to know certain things. If you're going to leave a legacy and it's going to be intentional and it's going to be more than just, oh yeah, that was a good person. If it's going to be something more, Timothy, here's what I want you to see. Number one, it's going to take a daily priority. It's going to take a daily priority. So you go up to verse four and verse one. Here's what he says. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Then you see a colon and everything that follows after that are personal applications to Timothy. But here's what I want you to catch. Ready? Your legacy, the way in which you live your life, Paul is calling Timothy to live at a different level. He's saying, Timothy, I want you to live as if you understand that today really does matter. Matter of fact, I want you to not only live as if today matters, but I want you to live with the reality. This is where it's going to get tough. You ready? With the reality that Jesus Christ is coming back. That's pretty tough. Because we, we, we as good Baptists, we, we, we're, we're good with that. Yeah, Jesus is coming back. We're just hoping that it comes, you know, if we're teenagers, we're just hoping it comes after we get married or after we get to go to college. We're hoping it, it happens after, you know, we had kids. We're just hoping that it's in the distant future. But he's saying live as if it's imminent, as it could happen today. What would happen if you woke up today actually realizing and thinking, okay, God, today what I'm going to do, God, I know that you're coming back and this might be the day. Would it change the way you lived? Oh, absolutely. It radically changes somebody's life, even if they hear the fact that they could die in the next month. But if you and I would actually realize that Jesus Christ could be coming back and his return is imminent, it would change the way we live. It would put a new priority on living, wouldn't it? And then he moves it to another level. Not just that Jesus is coming back, but he's the judge. Did you see that? He's the judge of the living. He's the judge of those who are... You're going to have to stand in the presence of God and actually give an account. That's tough. Now, it wouldn't be tough if you've been doing well and you've been living well. This is actually encouraging. If you've been living well and you've been living your life as worship to God and you've been living as if saying, God, I'm excited. I've been waking up and I've been each day, I've been giving it over to you and I'm excited to see how you're going to use me today. If you've been living that way, to hear the fact that Jesus is coming back, you get excited. Woohoo! And you can pray at the end of John's letter, even come quickly, Jesus. But if you haven't been living for God, you're saying, 
Oh God, yeah, I want you to come, but don't come today. Your prayer is different, isn't it? And Paul's saying, Timothy, if you're going to leave a legacy and an intentional legacy, I want you to know that today matters and the daily things matter and you're going to give account. So I want you to live at a new level. Do you see how it's going to cause your faith to grow? If you're going to live in which people actually have something positive to say about you, and if you're going to live as if you've advanced the kingdom of God, it's going to require a daily pursuit to say, God, what is it you called me to do today? Now, let me just show, here's a few things that he tells Timothy. He says, Timothy, you're a young preacher. So Timothy, this is how it's going to play out and some very key ideas for you. Look, verse two, preach the word. This is your priority. There's going to be a lot of other things you can do. You can teach a lot of other things really well. You can go and have all those philosophical debates with the Greeks. You can go have fun in Rome. You can go have fun everywhere else. And you can talk about all kinds of great things. You can talk history, but your job and your priority is to preach. Your job is to preach not just anything, but to what? Preach the word. When I enrolled over at Dallas Theological Seminary, there was an old man, Dr. Reed, who was the guy who was interviewing me to come in. And, and he said, why do you want to come here? What do you want to do? And I was telling him, I wanted, I'm a pastor. I love teaching. I love speaking. And I was a current pastor at that time. And so we were talking. And then at the very last, this man, 77 years old, he leans into me. He turns up his hearing aid because he couldn't hear. And then he leans in. He said, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. And he got louder. He said it six times. Scared me to death. I didn't know what was going on. But I will never forget that man. Man, he burned that into my head. And it was so funny because I walked out of there. I was calling Jamie. You'll never guess what this man did to me. It was, it was one of those moments. And this is an old man. He said, this is your priority. Every day, preach the word. This is what you're called to do. And then he keeps going. He says, I want you to be ready in season, out of season. When you're prepared, when you're not really prepared, I want you to be ready always to teach, repute, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. <laughs> Okay, just so you know, the job of the person who's preaching and teaching, he's supposed to step on your toes every once in a while. Every once in a while, he's actually supposed to reprove you, rebuke you, and actually say, you're not doing well enough, go farther. God is expecting more out of you. And if you find a church in which you don't get rebuked, or re I just wanna help you out. That's probably not the right church for you. Because they're not preaching the word. Instead, what they need, you need and I need, we all need, in which somebody says, come on, I want you to actually do better. You can do better. This is it. And he says, take the word, reprove, rebuke, in season, out of season, with complete patience and teaching. I like that. Why? If you have kids, you understand that it takes patience to teach something, don't you? Simple illustration. We're sitting at the dinner table. We say something like this. Don't reach across the plate, you're gonna spill something. Don't reach, don't reach. Before long, they spill something, right? So what do you do? Okay, this is how a young lady does it. This is how a young man does it. We pass things around, we don't reach. And several days go by and you're going, yes, they learned it. And before long, what do they do? Reach across and there goes the milk and there goes, we have to clean everything up again. It's just constant, it's patience. He says, Timothy, it's gonna require patience. You're gonna teach something you're gonna teach the word. People are gonna take a step back. They're gonna go forward. It's gonna take patience, but I want you to be faithful. I want you to keep going over and over again. 
Don't give up. Your job is to keep teaching. Your job is to keep going forward. And then he says, for the time will come when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is, a, this is something for each one of us. As we begin to look, we are so blessed to be here in America and where we have great Bible teachers on the radio. You're driving in your car. You can turn on the radio. You can hear great preachers. You get to go to a bookstore and you see bookstores full of great Bible teachers. And it's such a blessing. But then also, let me just be real blunt with you. We also have a lot of teachers who get up and say, this is my Bible. And they smile real pretty. They say, we're going to teach you something. And as they teach you something, they're actually not really teaching you much of God's word. They're teaching you things about prosperity. They're teaching you about how to act better, just live better, but they're not actually reproving, rebuking, or teaching the word of God. Because it's easy. It's easy to gather a crowd by just telling funny jokes. It's easy to gather a crowd just by saying fun things. He says, Timothy, don't be persuaded by just trying to gather a large crowd. It's not about that. It's not about getting more people just to hear. It's about you actually proclaiming and teaching exactly what the word of God says. So don't be fooled. And then he says this, as for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Timothy, it's gonna get tough. And that daily pursuit, that daily priority, know this, that yes, Jesus is here, Jesus is watching, and Jesus is gonna even be coming back someday. So when it gets tough, don't give in. It's a daily pursuit. It's a daily priority to say, I'm going to live so that I leave a legacy. I know many of you are not necessarily close to dying. And so you're going, why would this be important? Because here's where it comes right down to it. Your choices today are actually part of what they will remember in the future how you live today. You see, they, don't, they won't necessarily remember one grand act of obedience, one grand act of faith. But what they will remember is the daily pursuit of how you lived your life. It's a daily thing. Continue on. Let me show you something else. Now, Paul says it was daily. It's something you're gonna have to daily com- commit to. Verse six, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. This is where it changes. Just a little bit in which Paul now is saying, I want you to understand you're gonna have to pay the price. You're gonna have to pay the price. If you're gonna leave a legacy, yes, it's a daily priority, but you're gonna have to pay the price. Paul says this, he uses some Old Testament lingo now and he goes to the sacrificial system and he says, I'm about to die. I'm within weeks, I'm within a month of dying. It's gonna happen very shortly, it's time. And he just says, my death is worship. My death is an act of worship that I'm just, I'm excited to pour the rest of my life on this altar. Let me help you, watch this. The only way your death is worship, the only way your death is worship is if you lived as if your life was full worship. Worship's not just singing. Worship goes beyond that. It's the daily living. The daily living to say, as Paul, I am actually worshiping God in the way I'm pursuing him. 
I actually bear the marks on my body. You remember him saying that? Those beatings, those, those tortures, those times, the way in which I've lived, I've lived as if it's full on worship. It's been a major priority for me. So Timothy, this death, this death is nothing more than just an extension of my worship. As a youth pastor and as a pastor, in one four year period as a youth pastor, we lost five students. Two on Easter during a car wreck. We lost one by um, a suicide and we lost a couple others through some other extenuating circumstances. As a pastor, I've watched people on the other side, whether they were young, I've now watched people in their 80s, people in their 60s, people in their 50s, and I've been around their deathbed. And let me just say, if you have not lived as worship, you cannot and you will not die with worship. I've watched it over and over and over again. And your legacy your legacy, Paul is saying, is an intentional act in which you say, I'm going to live now for the moment in which I say I'm living so that God, this is my worship. Church, I want nothing more for you. I want nothing more than for me to actually start living at a new level, to start living at a level in which I understand and you understand that today does matter. And more than that, that today, what you do, however you live your life, from the time you get up to the time you go to sleep, it is act of worship. Whether it's worshiping yourself, worshiping your job, worshiping whatever else, it's an act of worship. And if you and I begin to move in such a way where we understand that this life that we're living now is actually worship, you'll be able to say with Paul, death, sweet, bring it on. It's gain. If I die, it's gain. But I can tell you over and over again from my own personal experience, from walking with people at the end of their life, they get the news, they're devastated. And you're right, you should be devastated at first. It's a hard hit. But then the question becomes, how have you been living? If you've been living from this moment on for God, you're like, bring it on. I'm ready to see him. I've been serving him. I've been worshiping him. I can't wait to see his face. And Paul's saying, I'm ready. Can you imagine what would happen to your faith from this moment on if you live that way? See, most of the time, most of the time, we don't think about our destinies. Most of the time, we don't even think about how we're gonna be remembered. I'm too young, I'm in college. I'm too young, I'm in high school. I'm too young, I'm in my 20s. I'm too young, I'm in my 30s. I'm too young, and we don't think about it until we hear those words and you only have 30 days left. And now you try to figure out how you want people to remember you. What would happen if you changed that and you actually said, okay, Paul is writing saying, there's a new day from this moment on. Okay, so what? You screwed up the last 30 years, so what? Start now. Whew, that's heavy, isn't it? Now look what he says. Paul now moves into verse seven. He says, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. I don't know if Paul was an athlete. It seems like he was probably not, but he really enjoyed athletics. 
He really enjoyed looking around. Of course, again, he's in Rome with all the Colosseums. He's in, he traveled into the Greece where you would find where the beginning of the Olympic Games. So he would be in around all the athletic events. Other passages, Paul talks about run and prepare yourself as an athlete who's fighting against the air. So Paul is talking now. And he says, I have fought the good fight. So he's talking about, I'm no longer in the stands. I had not been in the stands. I have not been watching other people do this. I'm the one who got out of the stands and I started actually doing what God's called me to do. I have fought the good fight. This is awesome. This is a man who understood last week's message. Says God's given me talents. God's blessed me with gifts. God's given me abilities. And so I'm not gonna just sit on the sidelines. I'm actually gonna get in the game not only get in the game, but I'm gonna get in and I'm gonna do to my full potential. I'm gonna live and I'm gonna say, God, you've called me, you designed me, you created me. So God, I'm gonna gonna jump in and wherever you place me, wherever you call me, whatever you ask me to do, God, I'm gonna do it to my full potential. And he's saying, now I've fought it, I've accomplished, I've done everything that God has called me to do. Now, how many people have you seen die And at the end of their life, they said, I've accomplished everything God wanted me to. Most of us won't be able to say that. Do you know why? Because most of the time when we get to the deathbed and most of the time when we watch people die, they have not been thinking about their legacy and what's left. And here's what they think about. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. I regret not doing this. I regret going here. I regret that I wasn't this. I regret I wasn't this. And it's full of regrets. It's full of regrets. And here's, here's, here's where I wanna push you. Maybe up until this point in your life, your life has a lot of regrets. Let's put that under the blood of Jesus. Let's ask for forgiveness and let's go from this point forward and let's say, God, I don't want any more regrets. I'm gonna live to my full potential. I love Paul saying this. I've lived, I've run my race, I've done it all. And guess what? I'm crossing the finish line. And as I cross the finish line, The judge, Jesus, is standing there and he's saying, come on, boy, come on in. And here's your crown you won. Good job. That's how I want to end. I want to end like that. Saying, God, I've done everything I could. I want to tell my kids. I I don't want popularity. I don't want anything else. I just want to know that I've lived to the full potential of what God's called me to do. I want my grandkids, my great grandkids, I want them to know that their dad, their grandpa, their papa, their big papa, however long and far down it goes, I want them to know that I've done everything in my power from this day forward to say, God, I want to finish. And I want to finish well. And Paul says, I've done it. I've done it. Very few people ever end that way. Very few. And the reason why is because they don't think about it now. They don't actually even lay it out. More than likely, more than likely, you've probably not even written down what you would hope people would say about you. You're going, Heath, have you really done that? You're right, I've done it. I did it 10 years ago. And I said, this is how I want to end. And this is how I want to end my ministry. And this is what I'm hoping people will say about me. And I wrote it down. Why? Because there's something I'm going after. There's a finish line. I became so convicted several years ago about this. 
I watched how Paul did this. I watched how some men and women died around me. And I said, I don't want to end like that. I don't want to end like that. Regret, regret, regret. I don't want to end that way. I want to end this way. And I saw some men who died in a different way. And I came across a man in the Bible. Many of you know him. Um, Samson, you ever heard of him? Real strong guy, right? Now, there was a woman in his life. Can you name her? Samson and who? Delilah. Now, we all, even if you don't know the Bible very well, you've heard of this story. This guy who had incredible strength. He had pretty hair. You know, it was just flowing, just it was incredible. And then, then this woman came along and she cut his hair and he lost his strength. Now, we remember the bad, don't we? Do you remember that the Bible actually says for 20 years, Samson governed well? That he judged well? Did, do you remember that? It's written in the Bible where it says, Samson judged well. 20 years of his life, you don't even talk about. We don't even talk about. Here's my point. So what if you've served God 20 years ago? The point is, from this day forward, it's how you finish. It's how you end. So if you're setting back and saying, I'm going to do it later, you're not going to be remembered by that. You're going to be remembered by what you didn't do. Your legacy is about what's going on now. And you have a chance to change it. And this is not just for kids, grandkids. This is for ministries. Look at this next part. Paul says, there's a crown waiting for me. I'm gonna finish my race and I'm coming across and Jesus is waiting. He's gonna give me this crown and I'm so excited. And then here's what he says. And not to me only, but what? But to all those who love his appearing. Paul moves it one more step and he says, I just wanna make sure you remember. I'm pouring into you, Timothy. I want you to follow through, Timothy. I want you to do this because there's a crown waiting for you too. There's a reward. I want you to finish well. And all throughout the book of Timothy, actually both books, Paul is pouring into this young leader. He says, Timothy, your job is to pass it on. I've taught you. Timothy, you're to take what I've taught you and you're to give it to godly men. Those godly men are in turn to do what? Pass it on to godly men. Those men are supposed to pass it on to the next. Your job as a leader to leave a legacy is not that it dies with you, but it actually goes on to the second and third and fourth generation. Bottom line, you will be replaced. Bottom line, I'll be replaced. If I step down today, Within a year, you would have somebody else who would be able to teach you and this church would go forward. You will be replaced. You will end. And when you end, the question is, is what did you do and how did you pour in to the next group? This is Paul writing, not to a son, but to somebody that he's mentored in the faith. So here's the question for you and I. Who are you pouring into. The ultimate act of selflessness is that you actually raise up somebody and you teach them everything you know and you have them replace you. 
and then you've taught them so well that they're able to replace themselves two and three down. So some of you are going, I haven't taught Sunday school. I haven't been involved in helping kids in 20 years. You know what we need? We need some of you to actually step in. Maybe you can't crawl on the floor anymore. Maybe you can only sit in a chair, but here's what you've got. You've got stories on how you've actually done this. Maybe you have stories on how you've served and how you've helped other churches. We need you to get involved and start telling those stories so that these new people who are coming through, we have so many new people coming through. Some of them have not even been in church for years. We need you just to step up and start sharing your faith and sharing how God brought you through so that you're actually leaving a legacy so that it actually continues on. See, I want something for my life and I want something for your life. I want you and I, I want us to die well and I want us to leave a legacy that's been intentional and that the next generation moves on. Matter of fact, if you're a senior in high school, you have four months. Senior in college, you have three months. And you can leave a legacy so that the next generation, the next group of seniors coming through, you could start something, you can do something on your college campus that it continues on. My wife, when she was in high school, she started Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It's still going today in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Leave something instead of just thinking it's all about you. Leave a legacy so that somebody else can come around and say, wow, thank God you were there. Thank you for pouring into my life. I'm gonna ask some men to help me out. We're gonna ask, we're pass out the questionnaires again. I know some of you have been wondering, Heath, when are you gonna actually give an invitation again? We need to pray. We need God's spirit to fall. You're right. I do. I do want the spirit to fall and I do want us to be moving where the altars are consistently full, where we're just saying, God, would you move in our midst? We're working on some kneeling benches so that uh, you can have some cushions so it helps you in, in praying. We'll have that coming up. We have a revival coming up. Um, right before Easter, Dave McCracken, some of you might remember him. He'll be coming back and be excited. I know many of you have been working on your, your friends, your cards. You put one, two, three, four people. You're praying for them. And I'm excited to see that as that continues, as we're praying for people, I'm excited to see people coming to know Christ as their personal Savior. So we're going to be having it. We'll be doing this. But I want to make sure that we get this taken care of right now for the next few weeks where we're taking the, these surveys. So go ahead and take the survey, fill it out. Let us know where you're at, what's going on. And that will help us. As you're doing it, let me just tell you a quick story. 1997, I don't know where you were at or what was going on, but 1997, one of the top businessmen passed away here in the United States. <clears throat> His name was Robert Goizetta. He was the CEO and chairman of Coca-Cola Company. Just before he died, he was in Chicago at the Chicago um, Executives Club meeting, he gives a speech. In the middle of his speech, he says something very simple like this. A billion hours ago, human life appeared on earth. A billion minutes ago, Christianity emerged. A billion seconds ago, the Beatles performed on the Ed Sullivan Show. A billion Coca-Colas ago was yesterday morning. A question that we are asking ourselves now is, what must we do to make a billion Coca-Colas again this morning, end quote. He goes on to leave a mission. His mission for Coca-Cola was this, that they would get access to every human in the world, 
give them access to have a Coke in their hand. Now think about the logistics and think about that thought, that one simple thought. To give everybody the chance to have a Coke in their hand. It goes through and they started working through Africa. They started working through Asia and they're making it happen now. And all these remote villages getting Cokes in and out, they get Cokes in and out easier than they get anything else. It's amazing. What a mission. You will leave a legacy. Whether it's good or bad, I don't know. It's up to you. What would happen if you and I became intentional about it? Your faith would radically change. Because to live daily as if Christ is coming back is no small task.